0: Coming up on Stew Does America, the time is drawing near when Joe Biden will announce his 2020 running mate, AKA the person who takes over when Uncle Joe finally poops his pants one too many times. Blaze TV's Eric July joins us to talk the state of libertarianism in a country that's pretty much on fire. And the Glenn Beck program's Jason Buttrell joins us to talk about what apocalyptic fun Glenn has planned for you on his brand new special tonight. Our YouTube page continues to grow, which means we're winning the battle against the evil algorithm robots that look like Mecca Streisand from South Park. Keep up the good fight. Go to YouTube, search for the name Stu. And the first channel there will be mine. Subscribe, comment, like the videos, all the stuff. It's great. Whatever. You understand the drill. We all know you're proud to be a fan of this program, of course. And we're proud to have you as a fan. And I mean that just like a politician means it. Show everyone that you're a part of the conservanerd pack with Stew Does America swag. Visit stewdoesmerch.com or andrewcuomoisawful.com. They pretty much take you to the same place, but it's a place where you'll find all the glorious hoodies, tees, mugs, and commemorative Nancy Pelosi sucks pens. How do you not have one yet?
1: Stew Does America.
0: Only a few days away from learning who will be the winner of the most consequential vice presidential pick in modern history. And I mean that sincerely. Most of the time, the VP pick, you know, really doesn't matter. Little known uh, answer to a trivia question. Like, if you ever find yourself on Final Jeopardy during the Tournament of Champions, this one might pop up. The vice presidential choice of the Democrats in 2016. Who is Tim Kaine? Yeah, that's right. The gigantic human zilch named Tim Kaine was actually the vice presidential pick of Hillary Clinton in the last election. Like, who? Tim Kaine? It's true. Look it up. Now, I'm not saying Joe Biden is going to pick somebody better. But given that Joe Biden was born before Calvin Coolidge, the VP pick has a certain raised significance this time around. Biden's campaign is saying that they will name the VP sometime next week. And that's the thing. We are in the middle of election season right now. It's here. For perspective, let's look at the calendar. We are less than three weeks away from the Democratic Convention. Three freaking weeks. The Democratic Convention is 19 days away. Then the Republican Convention is less than four weeks away, 26 days. We are two months away from the first presidential debate on September 29th. Eight days after that, you have the VP debate on October 7th. Another eight days and you have the second debate on October 15th. One more week after that, you have the last debate on October 22nd and then 12 days till election day. We are 97 days away from the election right now. But that's really misleading. It's only 51 days until early voting begins in some states. And that's assuming these schedules remain the way they are with the pandemic. Again, that means people in swing states like Minnesota and Michigan will be voting before any of the debates actually happen. This, for lack of a better word, is bonkers. If your hopes for Trump winning revolve around him wiping the floor with Biden during the debates, keep in mind that eight different states will begin voting before Trump and Biden begin debating. and Basically, every state that has early voting will be accepting ballots before the final debate. So with all that in mind... Let's look at the VP possibilities. And with that, we'll look at the markets on PredictIt.org. It's an investment market where you can make real money predicting the winner of political contests. So this is people putting their money where their mouth is. Now, because of textbook sexism of the Biden campaign, we can completely eliminate half of the population that happens to be male, which I guess is somehow OK. And the chances of it being a white woman are pretty low, too. And it's not racist to pick someone based on the color of their skin, which he is heavily hinted at doing here. Uh, Of course, you know, that's totally fine. Uh, And he's promised to do the exact same thing for the Supreme Court. But let's just ignore the racism and ignore the sexism and move on. Let's just kind of toss that one aside. Let's start near the bottom of the list with someone who has the word bottom in her name. Keisha Lance Bottoms. She's the mayor of Atlanta and was actually one of the favorites for a quick second a few months ago. Uh, there are a couple of boxes that Biden needs to check with this pick. Um, Keisha Lance Bottoms checks a couple of them. Uh, number one, the correct skin color. Number two, the correct genitals. It's kind of like the main things he's looking for here. But she fails an important test. Will she be seen as someone who can step right into the role when Joe goes to the nursing home in May of 2021? Honestly, a mostly unknown mayor of Seattle or excuse me, Atlanta, who looks like she's in her late 30s. Honestly, is not going to work here. I I just doesn't. I don't think it's going to work. She now has only a one percent chance to win it on predict it. So she's kind of towards the bottom bottoms at the bottom. That's the same place of people like uh, Stacey Abrams. Tulsi Gabbard, there's a bunch in that group. People that have been in the conversation, maybe, but really have absolutely no buzz right now. In fact, they're tied with Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden at 1%. Honestly, would you be surprised if Biden came out and said, my selection is a uh, senator from Delaware, Joe Biden? I wouldn't be, <laughs> you know, anything, anything can happen with Joe Biden. Next up, Val Demings. Um, she's at 4% on Predictive. Uh, she's a 63 year old Congresswoman from Florida. She checks off the first two boxes, the correct skin color and the correct genitals. She's only been in Congress though for a couple of years and is completely unknown. I mean, so she doesn't really check off the Joe's senility replacement, uh, box. She was the, uh, and this is such a strange way for Democrats to be going right now. She was the police chief in Orlando until 2011, she had some controversies of excess force by officers. And what did she do? Well, I mean, she may have been right in these cases, but she defended the officers. Now, I don't know how that works in today's Democratic Party. I mean, if they want to defund the police. They have this, you know, a police chief. They're going to run as VP. She's also been and this is this is tough. This is tough for me to say. I don't want to say this, but I have no choice here. She's been a bit of a loser. I mean, she lost her congressional race in 2012. She lost her mayoral race in Orange County, Florida in 2014. Is someone who lost a mayoral race in 2014 going to become vice president of the United States? She beat a Republican in a tight race in 2016. Maybe she has a little strength with some moderates. She is from a swing state, which, you know, is good, but doesn't usually mean all that much. Voting record. um, She's kind of like in the middle of the Democratic Party. Uh, maybe to the, she, she went, she had a little bit of movement though. She was kind of in the middle of the democratic party. And then this past couple of years has gone way left. Easily that you could say that that's showing ambition. Maybe she's lining it up for a run. Uh, but I still don't see this one happening. There was a lot of talk about her a couple of weeks ago. She seems to be out of the running right now. We'll see. We'll see. Joe might not even know who it is. She, he may just say random words and it comes out, Val Demings. We never know with Joe Biden. Next up is Tammy Duckworth. She comes in at 5% on predicted. If you've been watching the show for a while, and I love you if you've been doing so, you know she's been kind of my dark horse pick. Uh, Tammy Duckworth, she kind of checks the first two Biden boxes, which are very important. She's a person of color. She was born in Thailand, which gives us a really fun birther come back if she's picked by the way she is eligible to be president her father is a u.s citizen Um, she's pretty impressive on paper though her family has been reportedly uh, serving in the u.s military all the way back to the revolutionary war she has a master's in international affairs kind of a hot button for creepy joe and that and if you're like you know 11 years old (laughs) those first two hot buttons foreign affairs And 11 year olds. And she has a doctorate in human services, which honestly seems like a made up degree to me. What what does that even mean? Human services. She was a helicopter pilot in the military, though, and she was hit by a rocket propelled grenade. She was the first female double amputee in Iraq. She won a Purple Heart. She has, you know, she has a real story and she's she's a legit war hero in my book. I mean, I, I have no problem saying it. She ran for Congress and lost in 2006 and then worked at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs and then ran for Congress again in 2012. Uh, she won a couple of terms there and then ran for the Senate in 2016, uh, where she blew out Mark Kirk, if you remember him, an incumbent Republican who somehow had a job in Illinois. Uh, her voting record is basically middle of the road Democrat. She's not AOC, but she's not Joe Manchin either. Here's the bad news, though, uh, if you're if you're Tammy Duckworth. She was kind of given this test drive for the role a few weeks back. And it did not go well, you know. She said she was gotten a fight with with Tucker Carlson, and she tweeted something like, well, "You got to walk a mile in my legs." It's like, all right, and that's not. That seems like a pretty ugly way to be talking about this. She said she would listen to arguments about banning Washington statues. I mean, come on. But she was the first senator to give birth in office. I mean, well, actually, at the hospital, not at the office. I I mean, I hope I didn't see it actually happen, so I don't know for sure. Karen Bass is up next. She's at 7% unpredicted. Uh, Hmm. She's got some buzz. Uh, George Will wrote a column saying Biden should pick her. Uh, But I don't get it. I got to be honest with you. She's a total unknown. She's 66, so she doesn't bring the sort of generational change thing to the table. She's mega liberal. Um, She'll have tons for Republicans to go through, including nice words for one Fidel Castro. She has some progressive race credibility, I guess, uh, but mostly it seems like it's downside. A lot of downside and very little upside here. Uh, Makes no sense to me, so she'll probably be the pick. I mean, it's Joe Biden. He's probably picking out of a hat. Elizabeth Warren is the next uh, one up. Uh, she currently stands at 6% on Predict it. I mean, she hits the first two boxes, obviously, correct genitals. Congratulations, Elizabeth. And she's a person of color. She's a totally authentic Native American. But none of the rest of it makes any sense. I mean, she's way too progressive. She, you know, she's going to annoy lots of people in the middle, which this would be a very good pick, I think, for Donald Trump. Uh, she has tons of baggage. She's really bad on the campaign trail. Did anyone notice that she already blew this race once when she had the lead? Uh, She would probably outshine Biden frequently. I mean, she's more, much more of a darling of the left and the media than Joe Biden ever has been. The only thing she brings to the table is the impression she's ready to do the job, which she quite clearly is not, but the left thinks that she is okay. The top two, number two, somehow, is Susan Rice. Right now, she's at 24% on predicted. Seriously, the only thing anyone knows about her is like Benghazi and spying on the Trump administration, other various scandals she's been intertwined in over the years. She does have a lot of government experience and foreign affairs credentials, but when those credentials are involvement in scandal revolving around dead ambassador, I'm not exactly sure that's a positive. Biden reportedly loves her, though. um, And my guess is if she does not get the vice presidential uh, role, she'll get something. She'll get a plum gig, you know, if he wins a secretary of state or something like that. Um, I I could see that happening. She's got the main two boxes check. Skin color, genitals. She could also make the case that she's prepared to step in, I suppose. She's been in the White House a lot. She's been in government for a really long time. She has some level of experience, but no one you – know, she doesn't seem to have much of a personality. No one knows who she is, really. There's a lot to unearth from her history, and most of it is not pretty. Plus, most people don't know about it yet. This is one of those things that, like, if you're listening to conservative media, if you're listening to talk radio all the time, you might know Susan Rice. You might say, Susan Rice, are you crazy? But to everyone else, to most people – She's not even known. No one knows about this stuff. They'll learn about it if she's picked as vice president. And all these scandals she's been involved in uh, would come to outshine any positive that she would bring to the table. In a way, this is sort of the Tim Kaine pick, you know, that that style. They select someone who seems kind of really boring and hope we're all locked in our houses for the pandemic on Election Day and nobody votes. Maybe Joe wins two to nothing. You know, like, that's kind of the play here. She's never run for anything before. How would she perform? No one, no one really knows. Uh, it's, it's a pretty risky pick. Sort of like, um, I don't know if it's as risky, but it's sort of as risky as keeping an ambassador unprotected in Libya. About that risky. And at number one on the list, leading the field, Kamala Harris. You might remember her from her presidential run in which she turned fawning media attention into absolutely nothing. She had the goods to kind of put herself in the lead for a time, which is not nothing. I mean, she does have some political talent, it seems. Of course, her only really great moment in the campaign came when she basically called Joe Biden a racist. So if she is the pick, you'll know Biden agreed with her, I guess. This is another kind of prosecutor or cop sort of person that doesn't seem to be. I don't I mean, why are they why are prosecutors and cops so heavily represented on this list for a party that wants to defund the police? I don't even understand it. It might be. And and this would be smart. So I feel like it's probably not true, but it might be the Democrats effort to say, look, we're not against law and order. I picked a prosecutor. What are you talking about? I mean, all the left is really crazy. They're mad at us for shoes of this prosecutor. And maybe people in the middle will say, well, I really don't like what's going on in Portland and I don't like what's going on in Seattle. But, you know, I mean, I mean, I don't think that's Joe Biden. That is one of the key things we're trying to do in this campaign is convince you that Joe Biden isn't those other people. Joe Biden's not one of these guys who's crazy. He's not an Antifa guy. He's like a boring old fuddy-duddy. You know, that's who he is. They might see chaos in the street as their weak point, and then they're playing into it. You know what I mean? And, and Kamala has some political talent. She will probably outshine Joe frequently. It's a recurring theme in this list. And if things get bad, I will promise you this. With the utmost certainty, Kamala Harris will be stabbing Joe Biden in the back all over the media. She is not a team player. This is the sort of pick, man, you do not want this. This is like, you know, this is like picking a problem receiver on your football team and just messes up the chemistry. I don't know. I wouldn't go this direction if I were him. Uh, it's, it's risky. Part of the reason she's kind of seen as a favorite is a political article that went up to profile the potential choices. Uh, do we have that in there? If you kind of see this, I, you know, it's it's a little small for me to read here. Um, but the bottom line is it says, hey, Kamala Harris won. She is going to be the person who is, a, you know, Joe Biden picked her on August 1st. Now, this stuff does happen. We work for uh, an Internet company, and this stuff does happen sometimes. Sometimes it's not some leak. Like, they probably wrote a Kamala Harris one and a Val Demings one article, and they just posted the wrong one. Was this just an oopsie, oopsie, oopsie? Did they already write the article in case she was chosen, or do they have inside info? We don't know. Also, Joe Biden made the now apparently common mistake, which is bizarre, of showing his handwritten notes to the press. Now, you can't really read it from this angle. It's, it's really uh, tiny print, but his no, notes talked about Kamala Harris and her pros and cons. Um, we know she's on the short list. That's, that's for sure. And she's the overwhelming favorite of the predicted markets at 61%. Now, there's a couple of crazy outlier picks that you can always talk about. Hillary Clinton? <laughs> no. No, no way. Plus, half the nation will go all Jim Jones Kool-Aid on themselves simultaneously if that happens. Barack Obama, (laughs) I like this one. He's not prevented from being the VP technically in the Constitution. It's sort of the Vladimir Putin strategy, which is, you know, you could see the Democrats liking that for that reason. Uh, It's not going to happen, but I could see Joe Biden forgetting what year it was and saying Barack Obama anyway. It's possible. And, of course, the elephant in the room, Michelle Obama. Look, it's kind of a long shot. I will say, and she'd probably only do it if she had a real strategy to get the top job. Sort of an Underwood family strategy, you know? Minus Kevin Spacey and all of the molestation of teenage boys. The worst part of all of that is that the country burns to the ground in a disaster that would be even worse than season six of House of Cards. What were you doing this past couple of weeks? I mean, you're probably living your life, right? Everything's going fine. You know, you're drinking your coffee, your Black Rifle coffee, it's delicious. It's your favorite coffee. Yeah, what you didn't know that you were doing was donating 30,000 bags of coffee to our military. Yeah, if you're, if you're in the Black Rifle Coffee Club, that was you, you did that. Thank you for doing that. Thank Black Rifle Coffee for doing that. They are just great guys, they're, you know, they're, they're, they run a great company that's really successful because they make excellent coffee, but they also are just really good guys and do really great things like that. Um, you can wake up to America's Coffee by going to blackriflecoffee.com slash stew. I would recommend it. They've got this great uh, Black Rifle Coffee Club where you can kind of subscribe. This is what we have at the house. Uh, and they just send uh, replenishments all the time. Every month you get it in the new batch. You never run out of it. You always have the coffee that you love. You can pick from all these different roasts and all the different flavors and all that. It's, it's great. BlackRifleCoffee.com stew. If you enter the discount code stew, you'll receive 20% off of your first order, including the Black Rifle Coffee Club. It's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. BlackRifleCoffee.com stew. Joined now by uh, Eric July. He's a Blaze TV contributor and host of the podcast, For Canon's Sake. Eric, thanks for coming on the program. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. The the protests slash riots, because I hate calling them protests because I don't remember a lot of protests where things are lit on fire all the time, um, are an interesting thing, I think, uh, coming from your perspective, because, you know, these aren't protests, right? These are violent acts. You see all the violence all over. I mean, you look at YouTube for ten seconds and see tons of it. But it's also we now have a place where there's federal agents in cities, um, you know, defending these properties. How does this hit you?
1: Well, what it does is, and this is why I, what I did, I call them like rival gangs. Um, mm-hmm. I know that rubs some people the wrong way <laughs> because I call them rival gangs. Kind of go at it when I talked about the federal government as and like the. Marxists and so forth that are actually taking it to them and their property, whether you feel it's illegitimately claimed or what have you. It's the same expectation that I have if uh, some illegitimately, let's say, gang or so forth, illegitimately claims some some land or territory and they fight for it. Like, that's what I expect them to do. (laughs) Right. So from my perspective, I think a lot of people, they don't like the fact that I won't jump to the defense of people that do stuff like that. That actual riot, that actual Lear violent, that, you know, pro- protest in a way yeah. that it's not actually protesting. Or more so their form of protesting ends up in property destruction, mm-hmm. violence. We've already seen the videos. We know people getting stabbed, you know, it's a thing, people getting shot. Like these are things that are happening and I'm not one to pretend like that isn't the case. Mm-hmm. And when I look at that happening and I look at the list of demands, for example, a lot of these groups are coming up with these aren't moving in the direction of liberty. And I'm just one of those that doesn't pretend like that's the case, like that or most of that isn't the case, because a lot of folks would have you believe that, oh, they're just all protesters. They just want to end police brutality and they want what's best for for the individuals like, no, they don't. And we don't have to pretend like it's anything else but that. So I think it rubs a lot of people the wrong way because a lot of folks, con- definitely depending on what side of the political aisle that they're on, they conjure up situations. They want something to be true so bad that they think they can speak it into existence. Never mind that we have Blaze TVs on, Elijah Schaefer actually yeah, there yeah. filming this and we can see it like yeah. we know what's going on. Never mind that that's actually happening. It's also politicians that. That are in the cities that will ignore it and I say, oh, it's just a myth. None of that's going
0: on. Yeah, uh, people get like this religious dedication to their narrative, right? Um, and it's it's so disturbing to see. I, I, I can't understand it. I have to look at it and try to figure it out and try to see you know who's right and who's wrong in a situation. Because I mean, look, you know, the federal agents thing. You know, everybody on the right is saying like this is what needs to be done. This is federal property. There's being there's assaults. There need to be people in there. And I, you know, look, I can see that side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side, if Barack Obama was sending oh, yeah. Yeah. into these cities, there would be a much different take on right Twitter right now. Absolutely. Um, that,
1: uh, that is not. I mean, we know that that's the case. And this is why I think that it's OK to not treat it like it's black and white. Yeah. You know, it's it's we know that there is an issue there. And let's talk about that. Let's understand. And this is why I wanted to get the perspective of people. I would love for more people to interview like the, Let's say the Seattle individuals that live there right they may yeah. they're there that's on their work route people important like that's where they were at work and that's where they're kind of hanging out at like how do they feel about it as is, mm-hmm. is, do they have an issue with local police protecting their property or their place of business or something like that and, or more so they not them not doing that like let's have that discussion it's not nearly as black and white but you're completely correct Everybody has right to be skeptical, definitely someone that values liberty, of a federal government coming in and, let's say, even doing the job of what they feel like the local government is doing. Now, do you feel like that's the case? Do you feel like that isn't the case? Again, that's all part of the discussion that we have to have. Uh,
0: Part of the thing, I think, because I've seen you you battling with libertarians about this, and libertarians are, I think, reflexively because um, I, I consider myself mostly yeah, a libertarian. You are, yeah, yeah. Um, the, Probably the part that I have the most problem with at times is law enforcement. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, I'm pretty pro-police guy, generally speaking. Um, and it's like, I, I see that, I think a lot of the the reflexive reaction from libertarians is to automatically side with the people in the streets over law enforcement, which I understand part of the the problem here though, is I think the media keeps calling these people anarchists, Yo. which is, you know, it's not exactly libertarianism, but you know, they, there's some similarities there, Absolutely. obviously um, on the other side of that, these guys, you can't be a Marxist and an anarchist. I'm right, sorry. Those right. things are not the same. No,
1: no, nah, not at all. Like there was like, we need to treat it for, for what it is. I hate when people use that term, obviously, when they talk about anarchists. But for those that want to dive into philosophy, you know that there's a big time difference between the guys like myself mm-hmm. or anarcho-capitalists and the, let's say, the more anarcho-syndicalists and the anarcho-communists and, mm-hmm. and those guys. We're like ideologically, philosophically yes. different. The yeah, Marxists, different. like, we are different. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they, It's not the same as far as what we advocate. But that's the thing that I know. You're completely correct on that. A lot of libertarians jump to, okay, the the government is always bad. And what they seem to forget is that there's a reason why we're we are anti-government. It's not we don't start there. Right. We value liberty. We value private property rights. The reason why we are in opposition to the government is because we look at them as always violating of those said rights, whether it be law enforcement or so forth. That doesn't mean that people that, let's say, aren't the government don't violate the principles that we uphold as well. And that's what it's its so difficult to try to get those libertarians to see that. It's like, this is why you can say that two parties can be wrong at the same, at the same time, just because there are a bunch of individuals, definitely in this case, let's say those, those like mainstream progressive, like leftist types who have no problem. Once they get control of the power, they'll put you up against the wall, right? So we need to acknowledge that. If we are going to work to a more freer, more prosperous society, we have to Uphold our actual principles and our principles aren't just be anti-government. That's not what it is We don't start there. It's not everything kind of dies from that and people that aren't libertarians They think that as well. It's not that we're just anti-government just for the sake of being anti-government We have principles that led us to being more so anti-government in a lot of cases So we need to understand that because a lot of times like what we have now a lot of folks are just in opposition to the current state They're not necessarily in opposition to um, even the government per se, like right. they're not. They they would much rather, and we've seen that with the lockdowns and stuff. They have no problem using the state to do what it is that they want to do. <laughs> it's not about liberty or the individual that they that they value. So this is why their demands don't team don't tend to make sense. And even when you have guys like the Justin Amash's or the Rand Pauls of the world who come up with a solution, they say we are right, let's in qu- qualified immunity or in uh, these no knock raids, and they reject it. They're like, no, we don't want that because. It's not about valuing actual liberty. That's not what they care about. And we'd be fools not to acknowledge that those types are existing. And just because they're protesting does not
0: mean that they're right. Yeah, that's really interesting because I, you know, you ke- I keep coming back to looking at this as – every debate gets stuck in the same sort of annoying rut yeah. where it's like, okay, it's federal, are you on the federal agents side or are you on the protesters' side who are throwing things at the federal agents? And it's like, well, let me step back for a second. Capitalism, you know, I'm a huge believer yeah, in and, and libertarians are too. Um, Looking at that and saying like part of capitalism that's important and the reason why it works is because people have personal property rights. And forget about the people who are throwing the rocks or the or the federal agents for a second. Think about the business owners in these areas who have to close all their businesses down, who get their windows shattered, who get their buildings burnt to the ground every other week. Like that is not civilization. It's something else. And I don't see how you can defend that state. Yeah.
1: Like that's where we're at with it. And we've seen this definitely a lot of unfortunately with the post-George Floyd thing, people's businesses being burned to the ground. We don't have to turn a blind eye to that. That's not pro-capitalism. That's not pro-liberty. That's actually the opposite of it. Like we know that private property rights is what we hold dear. That's where everything extends from, starting with obviously self-ownership and the fact that you own yourself. So. We can't we don't have to accept that their narrative and we don't have to play their game like you're right. Like we look at the fact that a lot of times, probably every time they when they go to the riding and stuff, they end up destroying businesses. And their property, they had absolutely nothing to do with this situation. They aren't the police. It's not like they're just taking it strictly to the aggressors here. That's not what's happening. They're taking it to people that had nothing to do with it. And we we do us a lot of justice, even just for the sake of the conversation, to get the conversation back on the rails. And we acknowledge that that's what's happening. And when you know that that's the actions that they're sort of that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. you, You see that they're doing that every other city why pretend like that isn't the case why pretend like they're pro capitalism why pretend like oh well just cuz they have the right to protest we should defend them i don't have to defend them when i know good and well that they are advocating policies and principles that are diametrically opposed to what it is that we believe in as
0: libertarians yeah I, it doesn't make any sense let me switch gears for a couple of minutes here before we before we uh, run out of time here um we've been in this sort of loop of cancel culture right now, right? Where everybody gets canceled for everything. They say, I hate this crap. I think it's always dumb, Mm -hmm. always dumb. That's my only stance on cancel culture. It's always stupid. Um, But when you see uh, particular groups, whether it's Native Americans, uh, in the case of the Redskins, uh, African, I mean, I hate the Redskins, and I think you can agree. We can come together. Yeah, yeah, we can agree (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, You know, whether it's African Americans with Aunt Jemima, uh, Cream of Wheat, Uncle Ben's, you know, here, and Jemima, I keep using this as an example because here's a product that is most popular among African Americans, yeah. right? I have it in my uh, pantry as well, but as far as like you know, actual statistics go, African Americans buy it more than anybody else. They're clearly not offended by this product, right? Why would they be buying it? And there's this there's this effort that goes on in you know, elite media on the left that that takes the position that us. You know, uh, white elitist journalists have to explain to African-Americans that they should be offended by this. To me, this is incredibly offensive. Yes. Am I right on
1: that? No, you're completely correct on that. It's they go out of their way to be offended on people's behalf. Yeah. Uh, That's unfortunately what they do. A lot of where they nobody, I don't remember any black person crying about Aunt Jemima. We like you said, we all had it in our pantry. Me and the lady had it the other day. Yeah. Pancakes, mama's yeah. face on there, and there's nothing wrong with that. My grandmother, who grew up in these more oppressive eras, she always had it in in her cabinets. So we're not offended by it. Why are you offended? <laughs>
2: yes, Why yes. are you
1: offended on, on on our behalf? But that's a light Lie. To, lie to, of what happens, and I think what's going to end up happening if it discontinues is that there's only going to be white mascots that exist. <laughs> I know. Uh, Vikings, How is that an improvement? Right, Vikings fighting Irish, yeah. uh, Cowboys. Like, it'll only be the white white, like, mascots that are allowed to exist, that are allowed to exist, yeah. because for whatever reason, that's a better scenario where all of the mascots are white
0: <laughs> instead
1: it's, of uh, the other ones existing. And these, again, these are more so white leftists
0: being offended on the
1: marginalized
0: group's behalf. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's fascinating to watch this happen because I really felt fairly recently that this was the type of thing that America would unite against leftism on. Yeah. This is nuts. Right. Like the fact that someone said something 30 years ago, You pull it out and you say, oh, they got to get fired. Now we're at the point where people who voice cartoon characters, they can't voice mixed race cartoon characters if they're white because they're not mixed race or black. That's just crazy. And uh, it seems like the opposite is happening, that people are are gravitating to that worldview, the worldview of white fragility and all this nonsense. Does that turn around or does this keep going? I think the pendulum will swing back the other way at some point. I think it has to get so
1: ridiculous to the point to where people understand that they get caught in a crossfire. That's what we're starting to see a lot of. Like we saw it with the Seattle guy, Seattle podcaster whose protest, they landed on his doorstep and now he's against it. But before (laughs) he was like, chill, dog. There's nothing going on. Right. Right. We saw that happening. Uh, But then you also had all of those. um, I I guess they were all it was some of the entertainers, writers, and they wrote that letter saying that they were against this culture and the only reason they're really against it is because they started being becoming the ones under fire and i think that's unfortunately how ridiculous it has to get when the people that are actually advocating for this foolishness they're the ones getting canceled and they're the ones whose livelihoods get ruined and they realize okay this is ridiculous we're going trying to dig up dirt on people taking things out of context removing like all of it, all of the context going back thirty years to yeah. see that this person said this, like that's complete foolery, <laughs> and it'll swing back the other way. Unfortunately, it may get worse before it gets better, but it'll swing back the other way. Please don't tell me
0: that. Uh, the great Eric July, Blaze TV contributor and host of the podcast for Canon's sake, catch Eric here on the news and why it matters, and all over Blaze TV. So be sure not to miss anything. And with your, uh, unless you have a Blaze TV subscription, it's going to happen. You got to head to blazetv.com/stu. Use the promo code Stu because that's how they know you like this stupid show, and you'll save ten bucks. Eric, thanks for coming on the program. Thank you, man. appreciate right, it. Back in a second. We don't normally read obituaries on this show, but we have to say goodbye to Carol Scarsella of Lackawanna, New York. Uh, she loved to read. I'm reading her actual um, obituary here. She uh, loved to smoke. She smoked millions of cigarettes. She loved slot machines and Facebook games. She never won millions, but she had the biggest farm on Farmville, and she made it to the millionth level of Candy Crush. She's also an avid sports fan. She loved the New York Yankees and LeBron James. That makes me hate her. But then she finishes it here. She hated Tom Brady. And now I love her. I love her as if she was my own family member. Rest in peace, Carol Scarsella. As we all settle into this new normal version of summer, uh, Bespoke Post is here with customized box of awesome. Yes, they've got collections for guys guaranteed to upgrade your life. The Bespoke Post only sends guys the best stuff every month. No matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From styling, grooming goods, to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. To get started, just take a quick quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you, and it's a great gift for anybody else that you think might like something like this. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel every time. They make it very easy. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over 70 bucks of stuff inside, and it's usually even a lot more than that. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code Stew at checkout. Use the code Stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Boxofawesome.com, code Stew for 20% off your first box. Joined right now by Jason Buttrill, he's the head writer and researcher of the Glenbeck Program, right here on Blaze TV. Be sure to tune in to Glenn's show immediately after this one at 9 p.m. Eastern. Tonight's special is Deadly Lies, How Media Attacks on Trump Put Our Kids in Danger. Uh, Jason, uh, you know, it's interesting to kind of watch this stuff and sit back and watch the craziness. I started the show today
2: with a VP preview. Mm. Um, who's your pick? Who do you think is he's going he's gonna to go with? I was t- completely sold on Susan Rice. I, I just, I just really? knew it. Yeah, I, I was completely sold. I, I, granted, she's never ran for anything, but <laughs> neither did the current president. <laughs> no, that's true. So uh, well,
0: when you say you're sold. You're not saying you think she'd be a good vice president. You're just saying that's who you think Biden. would
2: pick. That's who I thought. Yeah. And I, I think that and to put on some tinfoil hats, I, I do believe that there was some parts of that administration that they want to keep together. And Susan Rice was a big one, and she was one of the one. She was the one that penned that note as they were walking out of the Oval, you know, the last final day about the Oval. We did nothing wrong, you know. <laughs> I think they want to keep that team together for many right. different reasons. Could be some favors owed potentially. Could be some favors owed. Um, I, I think that. Uh, she doesn't. The thing she brings to the table is foreign policy stuff, which which Biden is, is perceived as already being strong on that. Right.
0: Which I don't understand at all. But yes, that is right. how he's perceived.
2: But it, it's interesting. Like They're clearly they've clearly got a demographic when looking for the vice it's president. So embarrassing. I know it's so embarrassing. It, it's not like let's pick the best vice president candidate we can find out there, you know, that we think can do the job. It's do you fit into this demographic? Yeah, it, it used to be. Right. Like, you know, did was Geraldine Ferraro, the best (laughs) candidate that they had.
0: No, but they made it. They at least said the best. They we looked all around and it was Geraldine Ferraro and she just happened to be a woman. Right. Hillary Clinton just happened to be a woman. She's the best. Here, it's like, no, we're not even going to look at men. We're actually going to eliminate one of the genders and say no men uh, are even going to be considered for this role. And likely no white women are going to be uh, considered for this role. That's an amazing admission.
2: Right. I I don't. So I don't even know if she would be the best candidate. I just think that she's I think that Joe Biden is very, very comfortable with her. Yes. And uh, likes her a lot from all reporting. And you got to think about in this election, the vice president has got to be somebody that I could totally see the DNC pressuring Biden's campaign because we don't even know if Joe's going to make it to November. Let's, I mean, come on, let's, let, let, let's, look at it realistically here. He, he might not make it to November. Who knows? He could have a, a health emergency or something like that mm-hmm. and just be, be not qualified to do the job. Yep. Not to mention two years from now when he's right in the middle of it. So whoever the vice president, you would think that they'd be thinking, okay, this is someone that the DNC thinks could take the job and, do us proud, right. basically. Yeah. So both of them could be president. Right. I mean, again what is she? She's only known as a
0: a, a player in scandals. Yeah. She's the only reason anyone knows who she is, um, and it's a, it's an odd, it's to me a, a strange choice, though. Again, like look at the Democrats. Here they are. They've got. The potential advantage of running against a guy who's 72 years old and you could say generational change. Well, they can't because their guy's even older. Like they they they're they're not good at this.
2: Yeah, I remember it's it's kind of funny. We're talking about age now. I remember age was a very big deal back during the the last Reagan election. Mm -hmm. I remember it being a huge deal, but it, it was very, very obvious that Reagan was very much he had his cognitive ability very much intact. Mm-hmm. Um, he could make jokes about it that Joe Biden cannot make jokes about it. Yeah. They would try to target it and, and Ronald Reagan would make a joke about it. I remember there was one debate that where he said that I would never make age a deal. You remember that? And yeah, he was I guess, like, yeah. I would never talk about how young my opponent yeah. is yes. or whatever. Yes. Um, Joe cannot do that. No. You say something about his age, he's probably going to look, up, probably going to stand up and try and punch you in the face. Yeah, like, like, he cannot. <laughs> it's just not a, they always talk about Trump's
0: temperament, which again, it's not a strong point. Uh, but also Biden does not have a strong temperament. He, he, oh my gosh. He's He flies off the handle and Trump is going to tantalize him into doing so, especially when he's talking about his children. Like, I mean, the guy so is he, he he's like he's almost like a cartoon mobster from a movie. <laughs> like he's always pissed off about stuff. He's a weird guy.
2: The funny thing about the debates is a lot of people are saying, "Will the debates even happen. <clears throat> and they were already posturing to that before saying, well, we might not let the debates happen if Trump doesn't release his tax returns. They were already setting it up because they know this could be a nightmare. But the funny thing is, Trump's not even a good debater. He's not. It's not his strength, no. No, but he is very good at goading you into getting you off your game. Yep. That's all he has to do. You know it would be a fun job Mm -hmm. would be the guy that's preparing Joe Biden for these debates? Yeah. You just. They just have someone just Just sit there and insult him. You need, like, an insult comic. Maybe
0: we we could apply for that. That'd be kind of fun. (laughs) Uh, I do think one of the things that people are not talking about is the lack of a, um, a crowd I think, hurts Trump. Mm. You know, he plays off that crowd really well, even when they're booing him. He takes that energy and he's able to play off it. And you're not going to have that here. Um, Let me switch gears here real quick because we only got a few more minutes. Uh, The National Football League. Oh my um, gosh! Dude. I've been watching your activity. This is fun for me. Because <laughs> I a, a known. Uh, I, the only thing I boycott are boycotts, so I will basically live through anything. I don't care. You know, again, I've said this before. Nick, Nick Foles could basically uh, go, you know, switch and go to ISIS, and I would still like I'd like him. And I'd, I'd like the Eagles, um, but like Dan Andrews, who's been on the show many times, friend of yours, friend of mine. Uh, he says because the Redskins are going away, um, that he's done with the NFL. You are now saying kind of
2: the same thing. I don't look when there was the last straw when they're putting the social justice messages in the end zones. Oh, yeah. I I did not want to get get off. Not watch because, you know, me. This is all we talk about during football. season. Yes. Um, I love the sport. I absolutely love it. It's the greatest game in the world. I agree. But um I I can't this year I am full on boycotting I NFL. don't believe it You'll have to keep I know you'll have I to keep I don't believe me, it frankly You'll have I to don't. keep me honest on this I, I don't know I mean here's what I here's my solution What
0: we need to do is, you know how like when um, uh, this happened in baseball many years ago, when the background there'd have ads for like local businesses at the stadium and then like Fox would come in and just put their own logo over the ad, like digitally. We need a company that's going to come through and just put, (laughs) you know, like like lower taxes in the the end zone for (laughs) that week. (laughs) Taxation (laughs) is there. Yeah. (laughs) We're just like, go ahead with it. I mean, because this is going to be agonizing. Uh, I don't I, I have no no. I'm not going to even try to fool you. I'm not going to want to give it up. I'm not going to give it up. Maybe if the Eagles go 2 and 14 I'll boycott it. I don't know.
2: You know what's amazing to me is that the the power uh, how they're giving in now. The sports uh um groups are going how the NBA and MLB all of them now where they could have done this in the 50s and I would have been right there with the oh, players. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I would have been – Heck yeah. I would have protested with them because they had a reason to. Mm-hmm. In the 80s, uh, it, it had gotten better. There was there's no telling. There was more racism in the 80s sure, than there is now. But they tried to do this to Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan said no. Republicans yeah. buy shoes too. You know, he's like so, and that was it. There was a, he all okay, came, Mike, it's you're the king. for that, but it's like that's a that's that's how that's how a civilization works. I don't go into a
0: restaurant and say I'm not going to get served by that sh- that cook. That cook believes in liberalism. Like no, <laughs> I just go in and I freaking eat the food. And then that person can come into the restaurant a conservative owns and enjoy the food too. That's how like you don't have to you don't have to screen everybody for every transaction that you have. But they're putting it so much in your face. I can understand why people just aren't. going to enjoy it anymore? No, I cut thirty seconds here.
2: I, I just, I cannot believe. To, to, to round out my point is like it should be better now. But now yeah. the sports age, uh, uh, team uh, leagues are like they're doing yeah. now what they could have done back then. They're just caving to pressure. I can't do it. I watch sports to get away from that. Yeah, I, I care what your forty time is not what your social justice, uh, you know, uh, viewpoints are. stuff I love
0: how everyone was like, oh, you can put social justice uh, messages on your back, uh, you know, back of your uniform. And LeBron's like, nah. <laughs> I kind of like myself more than the social media. <laughs> Never doctor. would have thought
2: about that a little over Shocking, I know.
0: Jason Buttrell, uh, head researcher and uh, writer for the Glenn Beck Program. Tonight's uh, episode, what, what's, what's the deal tonight?
2: Dangerous slides. So we're talking about all the, all the ways that they're basically, they're manipulating uh, information in the media, mm. certain politicians, and uh, it's hurting people, hurting people like our kids that are trying to go to school. It's going to be a great one. Go to blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code
0: STU because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Uh, back in just a second. Gledbeck's special is coming up here in just a second. You can go to blazetv.com slash Stu. Use the promo code Stu because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus you'll save ten bucks. We will see you tomorrow.